Thanks, Keisha. My anxiety is now at a seven. Thanks for that. Drink your beer. <laughs> Thanks drink, for that. I was doing drink, okay. Drink your beer. <laughs> I had not considered that. <laughs> Welcome to episode 174 of Pub Theology Live. It is election day. The pre-apocalypse run-up to World War III democracy wins edition. Woohoo! Pub Theology Live is a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes every week as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's addressed, address, singular, and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with the good brew in hand. Again, you're hearing me uh, destroy the introduction, so that means Shannon is not here. I'm assuming she's coming back. I haven't been told otherwise. You might want to rescue the brand. I thought she was going to be gone for two episodes, and now it's three. I don't know what's happening, but uh, I'll let you know. She better be back next week, because I'm not going to be here. So one of us should be here, I would think. Anyways, filling in for Shannon is Reverend Eliza Tweedy. Eliza is the pastor and teacher at First Church Congregational UCC in Rochester, New Hampshire. Eliza is a big proponent of having hard conversations with integrity and very clear boundaries. Welcome to the show, Eliza. Great to be here, Ogan. Thank you for having me. Is this your first time on, on Pub Theology Live? It is. Oh, yay. It is. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And today in our third chair, there you go. We welcome one of our returning champions, Keisha McKenzie. Keisha leads the program team at Auburn Seminary. Keisha believes that we deserve a world where all can flourish and people of faith must help to make that world real. I'm glad you're here on Election Day because, yeah, all of that. <laughs> All of that. Uh, if you're listening, you can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to extended interviews with special guests before and after the show banter. Visit patreon.com slash to get started at a mere $2 a month. Big thank you to our current patrons. And if you would like one of these fantastic Pub Theology Live tumblers that I'm holding up here, uh, it's not too late to get one. Please send a donation of $25 to nokidhungry.org. Send it directly to them. We do not get any of the money. It goes all to No Kid Hungry. $25 or more. Send us proof of your donation. And we will send you, again, no cost postage to you. We will send you one of these fabulous pint tumblers as a thank you. NoKidHungry.org provides meals for Folks who need them across the country, especially at a time now as we and so many are struggling with the coronavirus, they can really use some extra help. Food banks are struggling all over the place. So $25 or more to nokidhungry.org, you get yourself a tumbler. And we're putting the live back in Pub Theology Live. We are now streaming our episodes on our Facebook page. I think this one's happening right now live. I am in charge, I so checked. who knows? I did it check. It says live on Facebook. It's so gone. At some point when one of y'all are talking, I'll check. 
and see what's happening. So you can log on to Facebook around 5.30ish, 5ish, somewhere in that happy hour time. And uh, you can join in on the conversation. And anytime, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, using the hashtag PTLive. Today, on Election Day, November 3rd, we discuss election anxiety, uh, talking with each other, the sovereignty of God, and gratitude. Let us begin with what we are drinking to get us through this night. Eliza is our extra special guest. What do you got going on over there? I have got a uh, rugged brown mountain ale by the Shed Brewing Company in nice. Vermont. Um, it's a really nice, fairly hearty brown ale. Um, very enjoyable. It's, I found it fairly recently and have become kind of addicted, possibly. All right. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Keisha, what you got going on? Uh, fresh ginger tea. All right. Yeah. That and works. Honey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I like it for, uh, it has lemongrass in there. I don't know why they put that in there, but I'll take it. Yeah. Sounds good. Now, are you, is this, is this, is this a home brewed concoction or are you just buying, buying the tea bags? This is bought minimal effort day. Nice. Mm -hmm. All right. Less is more. I, hey, that's my mantra. Less is mm -hmm. more. Less is more. Um, it being election night, um, it's a three bear night for me. Um, so what's fascinating is last week, uh, it was two bears. The week before that, it was one. So I seem to be on a trend here. Mm -hmm. um, and if the world falls apart tonight, then next week might, well, I won't be here next week, but I'll be drinking four or five. Uh, so I got... Uh, Blackberry Betty, going, going with some fruit bears tonight. We've got a Belgian wit. Yes, Keisha, by the look on your face, that was my look when I first saw it as well. I don't know what this is going to taste like, but this is what one is, of my... What uh, is a wit? Wit, uh, uh, a Belgian, like, wit beer, like a wheat beer, more of a okay. Hefeweizen okay, got white it, got it. Uh, sort of deal. Um, wheat, orange, coriander, blackberries, and natural flavor. Um, I also, sticking with the season, we got a Four Noses uh imperial pumpkin ale it's called pump action the <laughs> thing on the can is a dude with a shotgun that is firing out pumpkins it just sounds like doing too much so, so there you it's, go it's and a very american beer should yeah. i need it guns and pumpkins <laughs> there you go should i need it uh southern tier warlock pumpkin ale sorry pumpkin stout uh, so we'll see. The reason I might need three bears is because as we are recording this, I got I got CNN muted over on the side here, and the first polls will be closing in 13 minutes. So we might be hearing some stuff. Uh, I'm not listening to one poll. And I will. <laughs> I, I veto the poll. No, 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 not not the not the po the the actual the polling. Poll. The exit Thanks. polls or the yeah. results, like the elect the board of elections is reporting out. Oh, who knows? Probably just the well, the polling <laughs> stations are closing. So if the right. polling stations are closing, we're probably just going to hear exit polls. I'm not interested in exit polls. Oh, but those are awesome. People lie. I love me some exit polls. People lie. All I, the time. I love the entry polls. I love the exit polls. Like when you ask them, who are you voting for? I'd rather not say I'm like Trump voter. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It is, it is a baseless, unproven assumption, but I'm making it anyways. I admit. <laughs> I am making it so... Yeah. Let's do a temperature check. How's everybody feeling? We asked this last week of our guests. We're going to ask tonight because it's actual election night. Where is your anxiety level on a scale of 1 to 10? Let's just check in there. Where's Where's everyone sitting right now? Don't all rush at once. 
I, I would say four to six. Yeah. Okay. I, I was aiming towards six, maybe seven, kind of depending on how much time I've been thinking about this. Um, you know, uh, the, the yeah. fact that, as we said earlier in the pre-conversation, that there hasn't been any reported violence has lowered my anxiety from what it was this morning. The night is young. Shh. <laughs> I'm not wishing it. I'm just, just being, being real. <laughs> Eliza said, zip it. <laughs> My uh, so when this was asked last week, my anxiety level was low. So I got a three, and they said it was at a three because, regardless of who wins, uh, this election, you know, our our work is the same. We still mm -hmm. on the work on the job of dismantling systemic racism. We still on the work of you know creating safe spaces for people and and helping to transform consciousness. That that's all the same. That was my answer last week. Mm -hmm. Between last week and this week, what happened was. Uh, one of my closest friends passed away in like like two months ago. They found a brain tumor and last Friday she passed away. So I am really not in good space. So therefore, depending on how tonight turns out uh, I or or how the election turns out, my anxiety level is probably by the end of these three bears going to be a lot heightened. But uh, it's, it's escalating uh, a little bit because... Um, and and to you guys' point about not watching things <laughs> like polls and and what people are saying, you know the 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 general the general thought is that you know more Democrats will do earlier mail-in voting, more Republicans will show up the day of, so they may be a catch-up. So I'm just like, uh. so last week I was a three. I think I'm like where you guys are now, like six. Six to seven, um, depending on. I'll, I'll let you know at, at nine o'clock or ten o'clock or eleven o'clock. It might be going higher, but I'm pretty sure tonight we we're gonna go to sleep, wake up tomorrow, and not know who the president is. So, yeah, that is most likely. That's the most likely outcome of all the outcomes. That you know, I'll, if there is not a cataclysmic yeah. result tonight, like I, I would expect to hear. Something around 70 to 80% certainty tomorrow morning, but 100% certainty maybe like Friday, Saturday. Gotcha. Well, all of the states where the mail-in ballots couldn't be counted until today, like Pennsylvania, for instance, right. that's going to take a little while. Um, yes. And yes, it is. I think the thing that concerns me the most at this point is it's partly the delay in and and the invalidation of some of those ballots yep. that, you know, the legal teams on, in the current administration are trying to push through. But it's also what could happen if at some point this evening, the incumbent declares victory and starts rallying the troops. Like that, I said, the night's, the night's young more, and nothing good happens after midnight. Than actually having an outcome. Um, right. But... Well, I mean, him him declaring it don't make it so. We all know that. But you're right. There are those there are those listening to him who will not understand that. And then later, if it turns out not to be the case, then they will cry foul and things may start getting 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 testy. Um, so so I think you all have um, in some way answered this so, um, in terms of election nights. Um, I'm guessing you're not going to stay up too late watching watching returns and stuff like that. 
Um, no? Nah, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going a bit. Like, this is like the week after clocks went back and my circadian rhythm is already off. So I'm going to bed probably around 1130. So just to be clear, I watch it for the I watch it for the news broadcasters because this is this is like their Christmas, right? Well, that's so, Super Bowl. Right. I mean, yeah, they're Super Bowl, they're Christmas and 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 it's like once every four years. And, you know, I every year I watch just to see the veins in Wolf Blitzer <laughs> pop out of his head, even though he keeps the calm demeanor, you know, <laughs> He's he's a professional, but you could see the veins, see the veins straining as as stuff as stuff comes in. So I am I'm I'm fan. So so you know the election's gonna be done, and there will be one side claiming victory, one side not. Um, mm -hmm. And traditionally, when an election is over, you know, we kind of say, all right, election's over. This person won. We are like Americans together again. There's a sense that that may not be what's happening this time around. <laughs> Do you think that's what's going to happen? Do you think we're going to still stay as divided as we are? How, how, how are we going to how are we going to regardless of who wins? Um, I think it's fair to say if, if, if Trump wins, there will not be an effort to bring people together. If Biden wins, there will be that effort. But will it happen? Will we will we learn how to connect and talk with each other again? Eliza, what you got? Way to you throw know, the new girl it, under the bus. Thank you. That's saying, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> I think there will be efforts. I think they will be one-sided. Because I think that in order to have a conversation, you have to want to have a conversation. Um, and there are some Trump supporters who are willing to have that conversation. But the number of straight up like ad hominem attacks that you know we've all dealt with in the last four years and that have ramped up significantly in the last few months um that isn't the mark of someone who wants to have a conversation um and that to me just says that's not going to go away tomorrow you know if if biden wins please god then we're gonna we're going to have a lot of people calling that into question. And I don't, I don't think that's how prayers work, but good, good, good. good I, effort. That was straight superstition. I admit every, that. Every little bit helps. <laughs> My little white girl superstition over there. Um, <laughs> and sorry, Yogan, I should watch for when you're actually taking a sip. No, it's, um, all, it's all good. You get extra he, points if you make me spit bear out while, while we're on the air. That's 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 bonus. <laughs> you know, but we had that conversation earlier today in, in my, in the Bible study that I lead. And one of the things we were talking about was that you can't have a conversation with one person. You can't have a relationship with one person. If one side of this is just determined to not listen, which has been my experience there's there's no conversation happening you can't have a conversation if no if half of it isn't willing to listen but we still try right right and i i think we've been having that this very discussion for at least 20 years because i remember the the ways that we had discussions about the people who supported bush in 2000 and 2004 and then the people who were really antagonized 2008 and 2012. 
-hmm. and then the people who are related to all of those people in 2016. Mm -hmm. So for me, like it's gone back two decades and probably preceding that where the current administration didn't invent division in the US, but capitalized on it. Right. And every fall, every, every Thanksgiving, there's a whole series of articles and podcasts and how to's about how to talk to a certain uncle at Thanksgiving. Like this, this is, this is stuff that is going to be part of the community building dynamics for a long time to come, regardless of what the results might be this week. And so I, I think that we, we may at smaller scale learn to speak across those lines. And I think the more important question is what's that quality of conversation that we should be expecting? Um, Cause if it's like, oh, it's a good in itself for people to talk across party lines, I question that. I'm interested in talking with people who want to make their community, their common community and common resources better. So if people are bought into that sort of goal, that constructive goal, I'm with it for diverse conversations. But if it's just for the sake of, like I don't have a, a deep fetish for bipartisan discussion. Like that doesn't, in itself, it's not meaningful to me. I'm interested in values conversations and I'm interested in, in, the, pra in the practice of building community and the practice of taking responsibility for community. I, I, I had a weird intuitive hit about um, regardless of who wins this election or not, um, the in the last four years, the Republican Party basically became a Trump cult, Trump party. For the most part, they're those who, over the four years especially, have stepped away from that. Um, and I'm really wondering if, especially if he wins, if they will go you know what, it's really time for us to step away and create or recreate what the Republican Party was really all about before, at, at least the better qualities of it, because right now it's unrecognizable. Um, and we see and we see many, uh, some, I wouldn't say many, but quite a few Republican politicians going like, all right, we, we, we can't align ourselves with this. Um, so we're, we're going to support Biden, Biden, but we're still, we're still Republicans at, at heart in terms of our, you know, our ideology or policies, whatever. We're not going to get that done with the Trump administration. Um, and I think if Trump loses, he's going to, you know, take that part of the base with him and, you know, and, and it's going to become even more unhinged, I think, if he loses, so then there are going to be others who say, no, we, that we, we can't keep doing this. This is so what do you guys think? You think that could happen? That's a possibility. Would you even want that? Cause you know, personally, I think, I think just a, a, a two party system is not beneficial. <laughs> like it's, 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 but, and, and usually the other parties have been, you know, the green party, other things tend to be leaning more progressive. I think, I think the ex the other party split is now going to be a conservative split because of how, how far crazy he's taken. I, I agree with you, Ogan, um, that I see the GOP splitting along um, far right and center right um, lines. I think that, you know, I'm right on the border with Maine and they started ranked choice voting. Um, and this is, yeah, their, I think this our, is their first presidential. In uh, Massachusetts this time too, to, to vote for that for upcoming elections. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I think it makes, it's been a tough transition for folks. And I've heard people complaining about not feeling comfortable with the process yet, but I think theoretically it's a wonderful idea and that can really lift up some of these ex these third parties into contender status. Um, I wonder though, in terms of the, the really powerful people who have spoken up against Trump recently, um, if they're going to re retain that or if they're going to fall into line if he is reelected, because along yeah. with that line comes a lot of power. So you see someone like a Lindsey Graham, who in 2016 was ardently pro-Trump or ardently anti-Trump, sorry, yeah. right up until the election. And then, bam, he fell in line and has gained a lot of notoriety and a lot of power through that. Well, field. some would argue that's because John McCain died and there went his conscience. So there's, there's that piece. It's, it's entirely possible. But at the same time, I feel like it's bigger than that. You know, yeah, I don't absolutely. know that that that's possible um on the other hand i've always held that trump has dirt on people that's how he maintains power i truly think he has dirt on mitch mcconnell he has it on as many of the senators as he could he had someone do a little digging into their past and you know he's got something See, he can hold not, against them. it's not only republicans who believe the conspiracy theories we progressives oh, no, have our no. own too. There are lots of conspiracies <laughs> to go around, but I—I I mean, we, I think we saw back in in that same period what Eliza was talking about, twenty fifteen to sixteen to seventeen, when never Trumpers became okay, sure, as long as he's president for us, and as long as we can use him to secure the Supreme Court, and as long yep. as we can get the lifetime judge appointments we want. Yep. So as long as that party structure current administration, et cetera, was willing to use this individual to meet their long-term systemic ends, you know, they aligned themselves with him no matter what they say at this point. Right. And, and no matter what he says. Him, and they, the and they would be too. willing to use him again. And I truly right. think that so much of what has happened policy-wise, immigration, for instance, they were just shocked that they got away with it. Yep. And this is stuff that a lot of those, the people in power, congressional, um, in both houses, um, Republicans, have dreamed about and not wanted to admit to. Yeah. And suddenly it isn't a career killer to admit to being a white nationalist. It isn't a career killer to admit that you kind of want to put brown kids in cages. Um, it isn't a career killer to say that, um, that gay marriage should be overturned in a way that really upends decades of Supreme Court precedent. See, this is this is where I'm a little bit torn because those are all horrible things. And at the same time, there's that sadistic, cynical piece of me that admires the person who's brave enough to say it out loud. <laughs> like, I am a monster and I stand by my monstrous thoughts, right? Like, you, you know, and I can under... Like it's, it's, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I understand people's attraction to that, right? In the weird, like, like we've been so disillusioned by politicians who lie. Here is one who's being honest. Granted, it's horrible things he's saying. <laughs> this is the, the premise of years and years. The show again from the UK where there's a, a populist who says all the things that people might be thinking on national network television and yeah. and that's what they're in the, at least in the beginning before the camps start 
that's what right. they're attracted to. And yeah. I remember hearing in the last couple of elections, both the 2016 and the midterms, people saying, we like the incumbent because he's honest. We like him because he's honest, because he says what we think, because he says what he thinks. Um, and and for some people, that really is the measure. It's not the quality of the thing that the person is saying, only exactly. whether they actually mean it. Yeah. And that tells you the bar is under the floor. Yeah, honesty doesn't equal virtu virtuousness. <laughs> you, you're, you're, he's an honest, evil man. <laughs> and but it also worries me because it means that the next time, because the window has shifted, yeah. the yeah. next time there is a character like this who may be more competent and brighter and not need a Bannon and a Miller to design the policy for them, but come in the door with that kind of policy behind them. Yeah. The next time it's going to be easier for them. Because Thanks, Keisha. My anxiety is now at a seven. Thanks for that. Drink your beer. <laughs> Thanks drink, for that. I was doing drink, okay. Drink your beer. <laughs> I had not considered that. No, Thanks the, for the that. Next time it will be easier. And and so to me, that, that requires us to set up some sort of inoculation process in terms of the strength of our community, yeah. clarity about our values, willingness to put everything we can on the line to make sure that the, our communities are not receptive to just an honest monster and, and indeed and and that's the other the other thing is that now before he was running on uh you know yes horrible things but uh but a yet to be proven um portfolio now now we've had him for four years now we know what he's like as president and i think that was a good thing i think there were enough you know and yes polls show it and polls lie but there's been enough people who said wanted to give him a chance because xyz now we've seen what it's really been like yeah we don't want to do that again we we realized we were wrong and and yes of course there are enough people who are like um yeah these were all these are all our dark you know um maybe around hanging out with our friends drinking beers conversations that are now coming to life and and they're all they're all for it <laughs> But hey, there's a what is what's the dog's name again? I forget. I'm so Cosmo. Sorry. Cosmo, that's right. Oh, Cosmo's cute. There's Cosmo. Cosmo making the guest appearance. Um, have a, have a plan for Cosmo in case like you know the noisy gunshots start going off tomorrow. Just just saying. Not in the burbs. Not it. Listen. That's, that's the nice thing about living in New Hampshire. I mean, there are fireworks from the minute it is reasonably warm out until yeah. it is way too cold to actually light the match. So all of the animals are just kind of like, oh, it's that again. Well, there. So we can get into a civil war, and all of our pets will be like, oh, you're you're shooting off fireworks. We hate <laughs> you. We're gonna be out of the bed, but we're used to this at least. Let's go with that. So speaking of speaking of, it'll it'll be worse next time, and uh, people in charge. Um, what do you think about this? The sovereignty of God is the Christian teaching that God is the supreme authority, and all things are under God's control. How might such a theology be comforting in times like this? What are biblical texts that support this view? What are some that undermine it? Do you believe in it? And uh, one of the verses that came to me when I was looking at this question, actually it came to me before I read this question that I wanted to also attach to this, was from Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So there's a lot of stuff 
in there that folks can use for, you know, whatever means they want to. But yeah, what do you what do y'all's thoughts around that? God's supreme authority, God's control authorities are only happening because they've been instituted slash ordained by God. Where y'all land and all that? Sounds like a recovering reformed theology person wrote that question. <laughs> Shots fired at Brian. Shots fired at Brian. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Yeah. And you're the one who isn't drinking. I will. I yeah. Seriously. I you know. Wow. We, if I listen. Like if if perchance. By the way, good luck to Brian, who's running. Who's running for Congress. Um. I really. I really hope you pull this out. People there need you. In the offshoot chance that he does not win tonight, I will have him come back to defend that. To defend that accusation, because if he wins this election, he's gone forever. Bless his heart. And and gone for a good reason. We need more yep. people like him in, in in Congress. But uh, in the offshoot chance that he doesn't win, yeah, he's he's gonna come back. Have you and him on the show one night, and I will specifically bring them and play the clip and fight. <laughs> Go. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts. So uh, my my question in terms of like parsing that text is. When it says governing authorities, like I'm looking at the Greek in blue letter Bible here, does that does that specifically refer to civil authorities, or is this about Paul's argument around authority within the context of the Christian community? Like, what what, what say you, people with MDivs? I say Paul was all like, "Listen, listen to me," because <laughs> I think Paul, I think Paul was just trying to establish himself, you know, as like I'm, I'm in charge, I'm the authority here, and uh, I've been ordained by God. I had that whole, I had that whole mystical experience. God chose me, therefore I'm in charge. Therefore, listen to what I say. I basically think that was Paul, Paul, Paul's own means to his end. I think there's some of that, but you know, Romans was so late in his canon that if he still had to establish that, then, uh, you know, I, I took this paragraph out. I went back into Romans and I took this paragraph out, this first paragraph in chapter 13. And you know what happened from the end of 12, skipping this and into the later part of 13, it flowed better. And I thought, you know, I don't think this is original. Mm. It doesn't flow. The language shifts too quickly. I am, yes, I am that person. A little, little more um, conspiracy coming out of Eliza there. You listen. We no, gotta get. We gotta get like, you. We you gotta know, get you out of New Hampshire. Of, we gotta get you out of New Hampshire. <laughs> seriously, they need me up here. Um, how many liberal pastors do you think we have up here? Admittedly, we have a fair few. We have a good UCC presence up here. Good people. Say. But you know. And a bunch of Unitarian Universalists floating around as well. No, really not. Really? No, wow. No, no. They are in really Massachusetts. Not. Yeah. You, yeah. We we got New Hampshire. Um, but, you know, it doesn't fit. Mm. You, you, he's He spends all of 12 talking about um, how to behave towards one another, towards one another and towards that community. And then right after this particular selection, he continues back into that. And he talks about love. And this just doesn't sit right. It's a little bit like that, you know, women should be silent in church bit at the end of the end in 1 Corinthians 14. It just doesn't fit. Well, 
Well, um, I'm, here's, here's why we'll argue with you on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because uh, as a parent, your parent, you know, and I've said my kid, like, you know, we can all hear each other. We can all love one another. But let's be clear. I'm the parent. You're the kid. So yeah. I'm in charge. <laughs> right. right. And so, I, I so, have no argument with you on that and the fact that God is in charge. I don't think God parents the way I do. Gotcha. Gut feeling on that one. Um, you know, you, God you probably, is a little You probably less parent tangible. a little better. You probably parent a little better. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus turned out okay. You know? <laughs> um, did he? Did he though? It took a village. I you know, <laughs> granted, he had Mary, and she was kind of, she was kind of awesome even before he was born. That whole Magnificat thing. Right. I literally named my cat Magnificat for a reason. Ah, nice. Nice. Um, but, you know, I, I read this and I think, you know, there are all these arguments out there that are like, Paul was just trying to make sure that his letter, if it were opened by the authorities on its way to the church in Rome, wouldn't get burned. He wanted to make sure his letter got there and that he didn't piss people off. But, you know, I read this um, particular excerpt and I think, you know, um, whoever, whoever res- therefore whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment well I'm sorry didn't Jesus do all of that and isn't that maybe a good thing that Jesus did all of that because the authorities were like you need to stop now and he went do I though well he also incurred judgment like it didn't really end well for him did it <laughs> Arguably. It kind of did. I mean, he, the resurrection, you know, it well, was hey, a little listen. rough in that three-day period, but l- dude, l- that dude l- needed the nap. Speaking of speaking of conspiracies, I I am not on the I am not in the camp that that actually happened. But that's a whole other show. That's the Ooh. Easter episode. That's for yeah, sure. Let's, let's, we'll hit that in Easter. <laughs> um, but you know, like even even if it didn't happen, did it end badly? No, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. It, it Two thousand years later, we're still talking about so him. So no, it did not I'm end. It did not end badly. That type of death was pretty hard, mm-hmm. but you know, overall, I think it ended okay. I mean, kind of glad I'm not going to get crucified anytime soon. But um, not not literally, but we're clergy. We get it. We get crucified metaphorically <laughs> all the damn time. Okay? <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I feel like in, in these epistles, there's is trying to be some sort of balance between what it takes to be in peer relation and then, so there's there's like the, the circle, you're all members of one body, et cetera. Everybody has a role to play, da 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 And then there seems to be a an overlay of, yes, but there needs to be a chain of authority and you have to listen to one person at the end of it. And it feels like it's a competing trust and I know that there are ways to make those things work together so I think one of the things that I'm trying to figure out is is this about authority in terms of responsibility or authority in terms of dictation like if if it's a dictator kind of authority I'm not in for it apologies to the translator and the writer of the text but I was born in a time of democracy and so that's kind of my milieu I was not born in terms of traditional taken for granted empire although that is also part of what we're under i was i was going to say uh, that's that's a really valid point you make Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. always 
the context that people forget about yeah. when this stuff was written. Yeah, that, that the authorities, at least as it's traditionally interpreted, assume the empire structure and yeah. and the validity at some level in the civic sphere or both of a Caesar and the, yeah. the centurions and, and all the armies and all that. And all of that is under question these days. We don't take that for granted anymore. We don't even take the denominational structures for granted anymore. Right, right. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe it was put in there to say to people like, yeah, we all want to rise up and rebel and we're going to all die if we do. So let's put a, let's, let's, yeah, let's put some theological import on this so that we don't die. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Could be, could be as simple as that. Who knows? Maybe. And, and that's, I mean, that's a little bit what I was trying to get at with, you know, maybe he wanted this letter to just get through. He didn't want to get arrested again. He wanted to make it all the way to Rome and not get stopped, which, at least according to Christian tradition, didn't happen. I don't blame the guy for that. No, I don't either. You know, I, I'd like to live another day too. Dude was playing know, politics. He was. He was he good was. at that. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he was. He yeah. was. He was very good. You know, at I it. think. I think if. The other part is hard part for me in this is reading this in the context of now and the ways that this has been used. Right. Because you can't divorce what Paul intended, even if I'm correct. And it was a later, you know, marginalia insertion, um, which certainly happened on a fairly regular basis and could easily have happened for all of the reasons we just stated a generation or so later as this letter is getting copied and passed around. Um, but, you know, uh, geek over here just pulled it up. Um, but uh, there's there's a, a bit in this that talks about um, um, if if you do what it, what the authorities want you to do, then you're going to be OK. And if you don't, then clearly you deserve what you get. Yeah. And like that justifies so much violence right now. We hear yeah. that time and time and time again. It's really hard not to hear it here too. Like Paul is giving his, you know, benediction to American policing. Mm. And I, I I can't I can't hear this. I mean, I can't even imagine how you guys hear this without feeling a little time nauseated in the process. Yeah. And it's been used that way for centuries, even just speaking specifically about U.S. civic culture, like a special reference for the pilgrims and the governments that they established to the exclusion of other Christian faiths and certainly to the exclusion of indigenous people and their faiths yeah. or um, special deference to the militias and the paddy wagons and the police forces and the standing militias and standing militaries or standing armies. Um, so the, the thing that I was getting at when I said, is this about the, the, the power to assert over somebody, which is one way of looking at authority or the ability to influence and uh, inspire action, which is another kind of authority um and i think those are different but we might use the same language for them and i think the first is probably not so great 
but the second I can see lots of um, advantageous uses for. Sure. So yeah. there may be a way to redeem the text, even if it was added for a particular reason. But on its face, I don't know. I don't think we need to redeem nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if the raw material is there, why would we reinvent it? Yeah. I, mean, I think I think the raw material is there in the Gospels, even if it isn't there in, in this particular chapter of Paul's letters. Yeah. Um, uh, and and for all and for all we know, a lot of the a lot of the rewrites and insertions were early attempts to redeem originally what was. But who knows? Who knows? There you go. Uh, so, did your faith impact how you voted? If you didn't vote, why not? I I, I know you both voted. So, we'll, we'll. Are you saying you didn't vote, Keisha? I'm not eligible to vote yet. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forget. Yeah, so if I ever say on a thing that's streaming live to Facebook that I voted when I'm not eligible to vote, that would be a problem. That would that would, yeah, be, would be that yeah, would, would be, be a problem. Yeah. That would be a problem. Yeah. I voted for the first time. I became a citizen last year. So Yay! I cast Congratulations. My, my vote. Me and me and John Oliver from the last week tonight. John Oliver became a citizen last year as well. So Very thanks good. to Trump for inspiring us to become citizens so we can help put out this dumpster fire. Very good. Very good. <laughs> there, 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 there you go. Please, please remind our listeners why, Keisha, you are not eligible to vote. I was born in another place. Well, we... Hey, some people might have been assuming you were a felon, so you know we gotta we gotta we gotta be clear with the facts so that people don't make up stories. Well, people are gonna make up stories regardless. Well, um, this is true. And, this and, is true. And even people who were formerly incarcerated and should be eligible to vote this year and have been disenfranchised, like that's also part of what America is doing right now. So it is, but I'm not in the slightest unique. But you know what? Shout out to Florida who did change the rules around that, and shout out to. Uh, 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 Desmond Mead and the Florida Rights Restore Coalition. Yes. I was also going to say, <laughs> please don't hate me for this. Michael Bloomberg, who apparently paid a lot of the overdue fees, hashtag poll tax, uh, um, that some of these felons had a uh, previous former felons had outstand in that was preventing them from voting because, you know, yes, voter suppression still a real thing. And good, uh, you know, he used he actually used some of those millions for a good a good cause. So well, he said he was going to, and I don't know if the check cleared. Ah, we'll no, it, we'll I heard some reports that it did. Okay, great. And I think great. LeBron, I think LeBron James did a little bit of that too. A number of of celebrities yeah. contributed to that effort, and also I love that it was available to regular folks. So. Yes. Um, through our organization, Auburn, we were able to send some money to that effort as well. And I know a lot of people who like raised offerings specifically for that purpose. Yes, indeed. So did did your faith impact how you voted and, and in what way? Of course. It always has, it always will. Um, I, I read the Gospels and, you know, we hit the, the Beatitudes this past Sunday blessed are the poor and blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn. And it's, it's earth changing, life changing texts. Um, how do you not let that influence how you see the world and how you see the world is how you end up voting. You know, um, we, I have, I've done a lot of work 
recently with uh, the communities in recovery here in New Hampshire. Um, and we've been partnering with um, opioid recovery communities. And I listen to their stories. Yeah. And I hear the echoes of my own faith in that. And I vote for these folks who need health care, who need needle exchanges, who need us to not demonize and criminalize them. Um, a lot of these folks who now can't vote because of their drug habits. And that's, that's not, no, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, you know, it was, it was, when I read this question, I was, I think I felt, I felt a little guilty that in many ways, my faith was almost secondary because, and I say this because um, neither of the candidates were people I wanted to vote for, honestly. <laughs> I mean, love Joe Biden, but no, <laughs> not, not my, not my first choice or my second or even my third. However, However, given the option, given given the alternative, right, um, uh, I'm either voting for him or I'm voting for Trump or I'm not voting. And and I don't think uh, not not voting, especially as I mentioned before, now that I'm a citizen, I can not voting is n not an option because then I'm also being part of the problem. So so, you know, the choice is sort of clear. But I'm also re keep reminding folks that um, it's less about we are voting for personalities that we're really voting for policies or at least the, the promise of policies. And that's the most important thing. And given, given where Joe Biden was in his past, I can appreciate the effort he's trying to make in the present um, in order to um, um, evolve himself and... Mm -hmm. You know, but also weirdly be true to himself in that no, he's he's not a far left like extremist slash progressive. He's he's middle he's middle ground. He's middle ground, right? He's a centrist, and he's also realized whether it's in order to get votes or not. He's he's come a ways in that centrism. Mm -hmm. So so I can I could when I go on his website and read the policies he's proposing to put in place, I can get behind those. Um, so for me, that's sort of where it is. But to your point, yes, those policies broadly align with my faith in terms of my faith seeking to manifest in terms of equality, equanimity, justice. Yeah, those those things um, line up. Yeah. One of the things that um, that got me fairly recently in fact, and you know, Biden was never my first choice. Um, given the option between the two, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, I have never missed an election, so I'm not going to start now. Uh, but in one of the debates, and they've blurred together in my brain because they were all just so terrible. Um, Trump went after Biden's son for his uh, substance use yeah and biden just said but i love my kid and i watched this community around me say i wish my dad had said that to me mm. wow. i wish my dad national television i wish yeah. my dad had posed for that photograph with me and i thought you know this at least is a person who has empathy yeah this at least has a person who knows 
what it is to love someone outside of himself. And I'll start there happily. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to Biden's credit, he didn't go after Trump's kids. (laughs) Who, who the law la- who the laundry list is like you know it would have been easy right so you know so points points for him on on on, on that it's on that as well um so let's wrap up with this question what are you grateful for and discuss this view of gratitude from diana butler bass and quote gratitude is not a psychological or political panacea like a secular prosperity gospel one that denies pain or overlooks injustice because being grateful does not fix anything. Pain, suffering, and injustice, these things are real. They do not go away. Gratitude, however, invalidates the false narrative that these things are the sum total of human existence and that despair is the last word. Gratitude gives us a new story. It opens our eyes to see that every life is, in unique and dignified ways, graced. The lives of the poor, the cast-offs, the sick, the jailed, the exiles, the abused, the forgotten, as well as those in more comfortable physical circumstances. Your life, my life. We all share in the ultimate gift, life itself, together right now. That's beautiful. So, what are you grateful for as we stand at the eve of the apocalypse? With a night, well, (laughs) yeah, the eve of, because the results will come in tonight and then... Who knows what will happen? Maybe two days eve of. So what are you grateful for? Just in case it's the last chance we get to say it out loud. I think time to pause and, and like get some expanded perspective on the work that will continue. Like for mm-hmm. me, immediately tomorrow morning. Um, and, and knowing that uh, colleagues of mine have been going at 110% for months and months and months and months to drive turnout. Mm-hmm. to remind people of what's really the questions at stake, not just about balancing two individuals, but really thinking about a larger vision for our future together. Um, and that that kind of imaginative work does continue. Yeah. And so like being grateful for the people who will step out of the campaign crunch and and take the time and space needed to dream and then bring back some of that dream to inspire the rest of us. Like I'm grateful for that. Nice. How about you, Eliza? I mean, it sounds trite to say I'm grateful for my children. I'm that's, grateful for that's my family. N- Listen, that's never a trite thing. <laughs> never. But I look at my kids who were crowded into that tiny little voting booth with me. How do you do this? Yeah. Do you have to fill the circle in all the way? Because in, here in New Hampshire, we use little you know, ballpoint pens and fill in the circle really, really mm-hmm. well. Um, and why are you voting this way? My daughter, who will be 20 soon, and who's voting in her first presidential election. Mine too. And who voted before. I know, isn't it the coolest thing? <laughs> it um, is. And you know, who voted before I did today. Because she could, when I had a meeting, and made absolutely sure she did. And made absolutely sure that her boyfriend did. Yeah. Seeing that energy seeing that innocence and that like belief that what we did today mattered yeah keeps me going 
That is that is um, the one thing I agree with you that gives me hope. Like there are a lot of young people who turned eighteen in the last four years who are like hopping mad and ready to do something <laughs> about it. Yeah, exactly. That, that um, gives me hope. You know, but the but the other thing that gives me hope are all the people who ran for office this year. Oh yeah, and in, and in the twenty twenty eighteen midterms too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's a new generation of leadership. It's it's. It's beautiful and and the young people, but also, you know, just in my immediate circle of friends, I have three trans folk who are running for office right now. Nice. Yes, thank you. We need your voice out there. We have, you know, queer people running for office. In the last citywide election, which was just last year, a third of our city council in this little tiny town in New Hampshire were not so blue either, are queer. A third of our city council now. Wow. This gives me hope. Yeah. This is the gratitude I practice daily. You all put yourselves on the line because you think this experiment in democracy is worth defending. All right, let's make it worth defending. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Um, I am I am grateful for the meaningful relationships in my life because regardless of what happens tonight, tomorrow, whenever we find out the results, those are the things that are, are gonna sustain me. Um, and I and I say this in tribute to, as I mentioned earlier, um, my my friend, her name is Chanel, who passed away four days ago. I met her when I was fifteen years old, and she and I have been. Uh, she was she was what I like to call one of my lifers, one of my inside inside circle people. You know, and, uh, you know, we joked about being 90 years old and visiting each other on our porches and and stuff like that. And it's been imaginably uh, difficult. I, I don't think I've felt this impactful about the death of someone since my wife five years ago. Um, and it's it's been a struggle. But but that's what I'm grateful for. Those sort of uh, relationships that. um that are the most important thing in my life. You know, I, I say to people, this election is the most important one we will ever probably have in our lifetimes. And at the same point in time, it doesn't matter because the very next day, regardless of who wins, all the work we have to do is still there. Um, and, and for me, all those deep, meaningful relationships with the people that love me and the people I love are still going to be there <clears throat> as well. And, and, and that's what I'm grateful for. That's, that's, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the air that I breathe. That is, that is what makes all of this, um, tolerable, palatable, and really not, doesn't matter. Cause, cause at the end of the day, regardless of what happens, these people, that's what's going to get me through uh, whatever. So that's what I'm grateful for. And and that extends to you guys as well. You know, as often as we speak or don't speak, like I I know you guys, you guys are my people. Um, and I'm and I'm and I'm grateful uh, for your presence uh, in in my life in all the ways that it is. So um, so thank you for being being here. Any final words? Just an appreciation to you, Ogan, and um, holding space for you as you remember your friend and and gather perhaps virtually with other friends to remember her too. Thank you. I think, think holding people um, in terms of their stories and our reflections and our memories is, is part of the way they persist with us. Thank you.
Lots of prayers for you. And, and as this brings up other grief too. Oh, oh yeah. I've been, I've been like today, today might be the first day that I didn't cry because, uh, uh, vacation in two days so it was a lot of you know when we take vacation especially as ministers when we take vacation the days leading up to it is like so much work to get things in place right so between that and the bear and I didn't make my third bear so you know hey not saying I won't later I'm just saying only There's only time. got through the two tonight there you go so today today might have been the first day since Friday I have not uh, cried, but the night's young, and I can guarantee you it might still happen. Might still happen. Uh, so that being said, big thanks to our guests Eliza Tweedy and Keisha McKenzie. We'd also like to thank the originator of Pub Theology, who came up with our crazy questions. What did you say, uh, Keisha? Reformed, reformed? What now? Uh, recovering reformed. Recovering reformed. There you go, Brian. <laughs> Brian Berghoff. Uh, good luck, Brian, tonight yes, in your in yes. your run for for Congress. Uh, we need more people like you in Congress, and uh, we are so glad that uh, you chose to put put your put some feet on your faith and and decided to be the difference. So good luck to you tonight. Also, our producer Derek Weston. Please connect and spread the word on social media. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts you'll probably find us and you could watch us live as we record this on Tuesdays, five, five 30 ish, somewhere in that happy hour, uh, sign up at patreon.com slash life for more content. Please donate $25 to no kid Get yourself a Tumblr, but more importantly, uh, you're helping, you're helping feed some hungry people right now. You can find and create a pub theology in your town. Information around that is at pubtheology.com slash directory, and we're encouraging to you to make them virtual or at the very least social distance. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.